My name is Dr. Josephine Palermo, and my superpower is creating business cultures that transform organizations team by team. Today, we discuss how designing a life in Romania has worked for Eric Melchor and his young family, and the benefits that Optimunk brings to personalizing your customers' online experiences. We discuss the opportunities that micro-engagements bring us and others into creating a sense of connection, trust, and happiness. I'm sure you're going to love this conversation. Well, lovely to see you here, Eric. I've got Eric Melchor with me, and I'm really, um, really thrilled to have you all the way from Romania. Isn't that the power of virtual uh, connections? And so, uh, um, you're, Eric, you're working for Optimonk at the moment, and you've got a role there. Can you just tell us a little bit about your role, your current <laughs> role in terms of, and, and what you're doing in terms of work and life right now? Yeah, no, somebody asked me that yesterday, and I'm like, well, it's, it's, it's a combination of a lot of different things. I'm actually going to be starting the Art of Personalization podcast for OptiMonk, where we bring on experts that share uh, their tips and strategies on how to create a personalized shopping experience for their customers. So we're excited about that. And then I give personalization boot camps. And so people can join in and on, on a one-to-one -one or group call, I share basically you know, here's how you do personalization. You know, here's the checklist. Here's how you can find out which tactics make sense for you and are the low hanging fruit. And then I walk you through step by step on how you would implement that for your website. And then the other thing we're really excited about is we're launching e-commerce revolution. And this is the first business podcast. No, not business podcast, business reality show for e-commerce. And so we're inviting a handful of brands that do like $1 million to $10 million in annual revenue. And for three months, we're going to work with them to try to increase their business by implementing uh, true and tried personalization tactics. And we're also going to introduce them to top-notch uh, conversion rate specialists, SEO specialists, and uh, other types of specialists in the e-commerce space. And it's, it's basically for free. So if you want to learn more about that, uh, just go to optimonk.com and so we're we're excited we're excited about that we got a lot of good things going on at optimonk i love that idea so that, so we we as an audience watches you work with another with another organization and then improve or or you know that's that's actually putting yourself out on the, on the line isn't it because if things <laughs> don't go so well then you know uh you yeah. might not have the outcome you want, but that's that's great. So we can actually learn by watching and being part of an experience as yeah. as you're working with that client. Absolutely amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Ah. The team did this um, in Hungary last year. It was the first time they did it, and they actually had the producers of Shark Tank Hungary uh, make the show. Cool. Uh, yeah, it was pretty cool. So this time around, everything's going to be online. And um, we're not going to have camera crews go to your business and follow you. We're actually just going to record meetings online, but it still will be cut and edit by a professional team. And so the episodes will, will, be, uh, will look like something you would see on TV. Um, but we're really excited about that as well. That's going to officially launch in March or at the end of March. And we'll start taking applications in mid-February for brands that want to participate. I love that. That's amazing. So we, we, you'll have to send me, we'll send, we'll put some links in the show notes. So any of these things we talk about, we'll, we'll share as well. And, uh, and it's, we'll, 
I would love to hear more about that. But before we do that, so Eric, you you fascinate me because you're currently in Romania. You're working virtually. Um, Optimonk is situated where in the States? So it's actually based out of Hungary and Deborah. Oh, out of Hungary. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the founder, Shaba, he's uh, he's from Hungary. And I met yeah. Shaba because I also host a, a podcast where I interview startup founders from Europe. And he was a guest on my show. We had a right. great time talking. He was actually a professional gamer before he created Optimunk. And he would compete all over the world. He was the best in Hungary, one of the best in Amazing. Europe. Amazing. Um, but then when he went to tournaments like in South Korea, he, he got his butt kicked. That's <laughs> true. Yeah, but a really fascinating guy. He founded Optimunk in 2014, and then we've grown it into this full this platform that kind of gives you all the tools you need to implement personalization and, uh, and conversion optimization uh, strategies and tools. And it's designed for marketers, meaning that um, it's a drag and drop interface. You don't need to know any coding. Very simple to use. More than 40,000 companies use it all over the world. Um, and so now we're, we're really trying to teach brands how to implement personalization into their customer journey so they can take, they can basically take an offline experience and make it into a, a wonderful online experience. And so I'll share a couple examples later on, but, but that's a, little, a bit about Optimunk and, and who the founder was. Yeah, great, Eric. And and so, but you're not you're not from uh, Romania, obviously. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, how did you end up in Romania? Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm a bit of a, an adventurer. So many years ago, I used to work for an airline, Continental Airlines. They're no longer around. I do and, remember uh, Continental Airlines. Yeah, did they fly to Australia? I do. I think I might have flown Continental. I'm a yeah. lot older than you. You, you know, yes. when I was, yeah, when I was there, I would travel everywhere. But Australia was one of the places that, unfortunately, I didn't get to go to. Oh. I, I, That in Hawaii, I always look back and I'm like, why didn't I go? Anyway, uh, because I traveled everywhere... I didn't mind, you know, visiting and living in certain places. So I was living in New York City for about seven years, but I'm from Houston. And I saw this opportunity to work in Romania for one year for the largest media agency. They were recruiting uh, international, you know, experts in their field. And so I thought, that's interesting. And it, it really intrigued me. And because I was a bit of an adventurer and a risk taker, I just said, why not? And it was a fantastic experience. I mean, there was me and about, uh, there was a Canadian and three other uh, British expats that were working there. And in the same building, I I saw this beautiful young woman and she was working for the sister company and I was introduced to her. And it was one of those moments where it was like love at first sight. And then a few weeks later, we happened to be walking to the subway station at the same time. And we started talking and then we were on the train and talking. And I told myself, I'm going to marry this girl. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Eric, that's so, very romantic. Yeah. So I eventually, my uh, my contract ended and I moved back to Houston, but we were long distance, you know, through Skype mess- and instant messaging. I was, I was meeting her in Paris. I met her in Barcelona. I'd come back to Romania and I convinced her to move to Houston. I said, let's try this out for six months. And if it doesn't work, what, at least we say we tried, right? And so uh, she moved to Houston. I bought her this used Aprilia 150cc scooter. I tried to make it as, as European as I could, okay? And she had this pink polka dot helmet. 
and I taught oh, her how to goodness. ride the scooter on the weekends. So we would be <laughs> on that scooter, and it was just—we had a lot of fun, and we realized this is working out. And so, three years later, we got married, and uh, a few years after that, we had—we started having kids. We have a couple of little ones, and anyway, this is this is working out great. And we discussed that it would be great for our kids to get to know her side of the family. She had been in Houston for almost ten years, and uh, we were we were kind of like talking about it and then COVID happened and all of a sudden we have a three-year-old and a three-month-old and we're trying to juggle work and uh, raising kids at the same time and daycares weren't open you know because of COVID my parents weren't retired yet we really didn't have any help and it was we felt like you know what we had been talking about moving to Romania maybe now's a good time because your mom's there and she can help out with the kids and your sister, you know, we can move near your sister and maybe she could help out. And uh, we're working from home anyway, so why not? And uh, we made the decision. And I think within three months, we thought the hardest part would be renting out our house. Actually, the first day we, we rented it, we had like eight inquiries and three people said, we'll pay you more than what you're offering. And um, the is. only, I know, crazy. And the only thing we were really waited on was my little girl's passport because there was a delay with the passports. But once we had our passport, uh, we moved over here. So we've been here for about two years and it's, it's worked out really well. That's fantastic. I actually, um, Romania is actually a go-to place for me. I've always wanted to go to Romania. I've got a really good friend who's from Romania, but it's one of those places I think that many people perhaps don't even think about or haven't gone yeah. to because it's not on the, you know, on that kind of standard tourist, uh, you know, <laughs> track. So uh, yeah. when you say it's worked out, what are the, uh, what, what have you found? What's life like? How does it differ from being in Houston in particular? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I mean, like you said, most people don't know where it is. When I told people back Houston, I'm going to Romania, you know, they were like, what is that, an adventure park in Italy? You know, <laughs> <laughs> so, so. Um, when I say it, it's worked out is that we really designed our life um, around the everyday joys. And so we moved to an area where I can walk my kids to school. And that to me is so important because as a kid, I, I, I could never walk to school. Uh, Houston was such a big city that it was a common commute of 30 or 45 minutes to get to school, to wake up, have to wake up at 6 a.m. and get ready. That's a and, really long commute. Yeah, yeah. Here, it's a five-minute walk. It's down the street. I walk my kids to school. And then there's this beautiful park one block away. And I mean, it's a beautiful park. It has these trees with these vines. And my kids loving climbing all those vines. They act like they're Tarzan. <laughs> and then there's playgrounds. And there's like this little soccer field. We were there yesterday. I mean, we go there practically every day after school or on the weekends. And it's a great park. And then... There's cafes nearby. I can walk to like cafes and get coffee and go to restaurants and meet people. There's a co-working space. Listen, Josephine, I rarely drive Monday through Friday. Rarely Beautiful. drive. And so I have a lot of quality time with my kids. We've got a, two offices in the apartment. So my wife has her, I have mine. It, we've got an apartment that's got great lighting. So we have beautiful, beautiful sunlight and, you know, close to the school, close to cafes, close to a park. And it's just it's just a very different lifestyle than the States, because if I was in the States, I'd be driving everywhere. I mean, 
30, 45 minutes is the norm to kind of get anywhere in Houston. It's just very, very, you know, big city crazy. that's spread out. Mm. So very crazy. So, and the kids, they, they transition really well. I mean, they picked up the language like in three months. My son is doing things that I've never done as a kid. He's, he's learning how to ski. He's taking his first ski, snowboarding lesson this weekend. I, I never saw snow until I was like 30. I mean, he's he's, yeah. he's pl- taking tennis lessons on a clay court. I've never played tennis wow. on a clay court, you know? <laughs> so it's just really fun to, like, watch your kids, you know, thriving and doing a lot of things that that you, you never experienced um, as a kid. So I, our, our main goal was to give them a wonderful childhood, a childhood that we really didn't have. And, um, and, and the other big factor that really started the conversation to move here was safety. Uh, because back in Texas, you know, everybody's a cowboy, everybody has a gun. And I, I just, once I, once I had kids, once we had kids, we just felt like, yeah. y- you know what, this isn't the kind of environment that we want to keep them in. And uh, here, I never have to worry about, you know, some idiot going inside a school and, 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 you know, shooting up the place or even going inside a church or Walmart or a movie theater. Absolutely. I don't, because guns aren't allowed. And so it's yes. just very safe here as well. Yes. We have the same um, policies. I agree. I think you, you definitely want to have an environment that's safe, but it's, it also sounds like you're creating this and you're really curating a life and I, uh, for you and your children. And I love that you're doing it around those simple pleasures because they are those simple pleasures. I'm actually reading a book at the moment by Hugh um, Mackay and it's called Kindness. And it, it is all about those simple things. And, and, and yeah. because in the end, all the things we amass and all the activity we do, I mean, we, we, if we're driven people, it, it fuels us. But in the end, it's sometimes it doesn't lead to happiness. It's those small things. It's the way in which we live every day that really leads, leads us to happiness. Absolutely. I love that. Absolutely. And you've probably heard the term micro engagements, especially when it comes to like with people. I mean, the person that's walking their dog that you see all the time, right? Take a second and just say, what a cute dog, right? That matters so much because you're missing out on opportunities to create friendships, build relationships. Mm. You know, the lady on the corner that sells flowers that you see all the time, take a second, smile at her and just say good morning. I mean, these little micro engagements, the barista that you get your coffee from, say, how's it going? You start a conversation. And before you know it, you've got this sense of like, you know, community and friendships that are just waiting for you to make to, 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 to create that spark just by creating, you know, saying something very simple and kind to people you see all the exactly. time. Exactly. And and you know, those those connections to community, to space, it's really important. And I and we may have lost some of that in our our big yes. cities. I think and for some people, isolation was a real problem. And we know that isolation was a real problem in COVID. And and this is actually about creating um those an ecosystem or an environment around us we, we can we can still be working from home and perhaps you know isolated from a remote perspective but still have those community relationships and I, I agree with you I had a uh, an old uncle um, he was always old to me because he was very old by the time I was born 
but he was um, a real character in his neighbourhood in Carlton here in Melbourne and he would drink a little bit of red wine every day that he made himself and he had a walking stick and a hat and he would go down the street and buy milk and that was his ritual but he would it would take him three hours because <laughs> he, he would stop and chat I mean he couldn't move very fast anyway but yeah. everyone knew him he was oh, yeah. a real character in the neighborhood and yeah. his English was not English was not his second language but he was just one of those people that and that's what he was used to but isn't yeah. that wonderful and we crave that I think we do we crave that and that's why being in this that's why I really wanted to talk to you too Eric today because you know how do we create that sense of connection with people when we're transacting online and, you know, and, and we want to show people we care. And, you know, from my point of view, I've spoken to a lot of people in this space who give me advice and the advice just sounds incorrect for me or not appropriate for me because I want to scale that connection, but I want to do it in an authentic way. I want to still be personal. I want to show people I care about them. So that's yeah. what we're going to get to today. So, um, so let's start, Eric. How how do you define personalization? Because we've been talking about pers- that word, but what what's your definition of that? What are we really talking about? Yeah, I think personalization when we're when we're talking about it online is really specific communication that is for a segment of people. Okay, and a segment of people can be returning visitors to your website. They could be new visitors who you don't have no idea where they came from. They could be visitors that you do know the source of where they came from. You know that they came from your Facebook ad or maybe from a Google ad. And so when you have an idea, you know, using data where you know they came from, then you can actually create better messaging and a better experience because you know who they are. You know what they're looking for. And even if you don't know who they are, you can actually start a conversation with them and very quickly identify what what they're looking for and then create start creating that experience in real time with them. So that's what I think about what what online personalization comes to me. It's not just, you know, saying calling them by their first name when you send out an email. No, that that's not it. <laughs> no, no. No, and there's some brands that really do this uh, really, really well. I've got a couple of examples, um, you know, I could share with you. But I want to ask you: Do you do you recall having a bad experience recently online at any on any website? Yes, <laughs> many bad experiences. What, what, what happened? What happened? Because it happens all the time. I, I know. Yeah, yeah. Um, particularly, I was on a a website where I was trying to go to get some support so you know I was I had a problem a technical problem with um, some telecommunications um, hardware and um, so I was on the site and I was trying to get to the right place and um, and then I had to go into a chat and the chat was asking me questions that were not related to what I was trying to uh, get help with and in the end I think the last question the chat asked me was, did we, you know, how was our support? Did we answer your question? And yeah. I felt like saying, I was screaming, no, you yeah. know, I want to talk to a real person or at least, uh, you know, I, I love technology. I love the, the, the advances we've, we've made with AI, but give me AI that works for me. And I think that's what we are talking about, isn't it, Eric? It's that because, because it's not even about understanding who I am. It's understanding yeah. what do I need in this moment. 
Yeah. Yeah. And it's not even AI. I mean, we're starting to invest a lot of AI, but for our tools, um, they're, they're not utilizing AI, you know, so to give you an example, um, you can tell a lot by a visitor by their IP address. And so there, there's this retailer called Woodhouse Clothing. They're based in the US. But if you go to their website from Australia, more than likely, when you get there, there's going to be a little message that appears after a few seconds. And it says, we ship to Australia, you can shop in your own currency, all prices include taxes, and all orders are free, if it is above X amount of Australian dollars, right? So that's one example of a brand capitalizing on its global visitors and just in a very subtle way, reassuring them that, hey, you're not going to waste your time here. We do ship to your location. Don't worry about the prices. You know, they include taxes. And if you want to pay yeah. X, 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 X above X amount, you know, we, we can ship for free. And they do that for every country that they ship to. I mean, I go there from Romania and they have like a little Romanian flag and it says, you know, you can shop in Romanian lei, which is the local currency, which is just really thoughtful. You know, it's very thoughtful taking into consideration what can we do that's meaningful for this segment of visitors that are coming internationally. Yeah, I can see that. And and that might be something I might not even notice. Exactly. Yeah. It's kind of seamless, isn't it? Yeah, it's so seamless. Um, you, you will notice it. I mean, usually if you see the Australian flag just kind of appear, that's going to catch your attention. You're going to be like, yes. what's that? You know, and it's not intrusive because it captures your attention. You find, oh, that's good to know. That's valuable. I don't have to go to the shipping page. I don't have to look for this information. It's all right here. So what, what other good examples can you share, Eric? Because, for example, I've got – I just did some purchases the other day mm-hmm. based on, I think, what you're talking about because I went on the website uh, through a, an email because the email said, hey, we've got a sale. I went on the website and and I think they knew that I had obviously come from that sale um, uh, EDM and, and I think they also knew who I was without me signing into the website because things mm-hmm. came up in the feed that were very similar to the things I had bought before. Yeah. So is that the kind of thing you're talking about? And, Abs- and you know, yeah. I end up buying more things, more <laughs> uh, items. Absolutely. I mean, <laughs> you know, for brands, you know, repeat visitors, returning visitors spend two to three times the amount as new visitors. And so if you can nurture your subscriber list, give them content that they signed up for or that they're interested in, then over time, when they're purchase ready, they're, they're going to take out their wallet and, and buy from you, right? And so segmentation, that's a good example of you being segmented as a VIP you know, visitor or, or whatever they want to call it. And yeah, I mean, that's a platform, whether or not they were using OptiMonk, but they give you a very special experience because you came from that email list and they know these are our certain, this is a certain segment of people from this email campaign and we can give them a different experience on our website. This is a great tactic if you have like, you want to pre-sell certain things to your VIP customers before the, the, the public. And so you can say, hey, before we actually make this available to the public, we're giving you exclusive access, like the first 30 days, you know, for this new product, come check it out, you know, and that's very appealing. And it's kind of special, you feel treated kind of special, right? 
I like being a VIP. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's like a new restaurant opening. You're like, hey, you got early access before anybody else. Hey, you feel special. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm just thinking if that that's even, I mean, we do this in the, we can do this obviously in the digital space, but that's just in general. If anybody's, you know, even coming to me face to face with something or I'm reading something and I feel like I have early access to something, that's right. amazing. That makes me feel very special. It makes me feel very connected. Absolutely. So I can see that the, the principles apply here. Yeah. What, what are some of the the ways in which uh, you've seen personalization perhaps not done so well then, Eric? What are some okay. really things we, we, we should be avoiding? Yes. Because I'm sure the yes. intention is always a good intention. The intention is we want to connect in with our mm -hmm. customers. We want to show them we care. We want to show them that they're special. But why do we get that wrong sometimes? Yeah, I think some brands, um, some of the things that they do wrong, not necess necessarily tied to personalization, but more or less conversion rate optimization um, are, are, are creating ads that have very specific copy or value proposition. And when somebody clicks on that ad, they get to a landing page or a website and they don't see that value proposition. You know, we have, um, for example, if you're selling blenders and you're marketing that the blender is very, uh, you know, is very powerful and it's easily rechargeable and somebody clicks on that ad and they see the blender, but there's none of that value proposition or copy or messaging on that page, right? Uh, they're talking about the blender in another way. Well, you may say, what's wrong with that? Well, the thing is, is that what was appealing to you was that it was easily rechargeable. That may be the main thing that you buy the blender. You, you know, you wanted something that you can carry and you can charge it, you know, on your USB or something. So I think that's something that brands do wrong. The other thing too is immediately trying to pull information from somebody without even knowing them, without even engaging with them. Yes, you know, yeah. I mean, imagine walking into a retail store inside the mall, and as soon as you walk in, somebody's asking you, "Hey, give me your phone number, and I'll give you a ten percent discount." Probably never yeah. going to happen, right? Never no, going to happen. Why right. does that? Why does that happen online? Why do, brands, so why do brands feel like, hey, you know, this person, let me give him his most valuable communication tool. It's something that is very personal and close to him. And uh, he's going to give it to me just because I give him a 10% discount. If they don't know you, I would suggest stop doing that. You got to build some trust first. You know, you got to build some likability before you would even ask that. So that, that's something I would suggest to, to stop doing as well. Yeah, no, I like that because I think I think you're absolutely right. And we, in some ways, that's perhaps the new, you know, when we're starting out in business, it might be, I, I can imagine that they are some things that we might do, particularly because I guess I'm thinking about, I know you, you're working with perhaps some of the larger organizations through Optimoc, but, but there are some entrepreneurs who start um, particularly, um, and they do everything or, or perhaps, you know, founders are the people that have to have multiple hats. So they don't bring in, they, they might outsource the marketing or they yep. might bring in, but they are the ones making the decision. So I think there's some principles here that we can apply um, uh, even if, you know, they're, they're not, they don't, I'm often very frustrated, for example, as a founder, uh, where I'm, because I'm, I'm needing to lean in and learn about marketing and it's not my, it's not my sweet spot. It's not yeah. something I do. So then I try to outsource it and then I make incorrect 
decisions and then I'm blowing money because I'm outsourcing incorrectly. Yeah. And I would yeah. have done that, Eric. I would have said, yes, let's put something on the website where it pops up and asks people for, you know, their information. But you're right. I, I, without thinking, why would people give me their email to sign up to something if they haven't really, if I haven't established that trust or value with them first? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah I mean, those will get you and, and the people continue doing them because they get results. Now, you know, getting an email from a 10% coupon offer is probably going to get you maybe a 2 or 3% conversion rate, okay? And so people do the number and they're like, okay, well, if I have this many visitors, I'm going to get this many emails and then I can email market them. So why would I stop doing that? Okay. Well, with some brands that are trying to take the long-term approach and think, how can I offer value every step of, of you know, every step of the journey? They're actually getting... 12 to 15% conversion rates from getting somebody's email address. And how they're doing that is that they're just taking a step back and trying to figure out, okay, what makes sense for this person? Where can I take them to the most valuable part of the website that is valuable for him? So let's say you're a health and wellness brand and you have three main products, um, get people to sleep better, gain muscle or lose weight. And so if a visitor comes to your website and you don't know what they're interested in, you don't know where they came from, they're just like an organic visitor, you can have a message that appears that says, hey, welcome, we want you, we want you to get the most value from this visit. Can you tell us, you know, what problem do you have? Are you trying to lose weight, gain muscle, or sleep better? Okay. And depending on their choice, let's say they chose gain muscle, then another little message can appear, fantastic. Here are our most popular articles around how to gain muscle that you may be interested in. And by the way, here's our three most popular products on how to gain muscle. So now you've, you've, what you've done is that you've held their hand, taken them to the part of the website that is most valuable for them without trying to actually pull any information that they don't want to give in the first place. And so now that they're seeing the content that is valuable to them, they're going to stick around longer. They're going to stay on your site longer. They're going to engage with you more. They're going to realize, okay, I may not be ready to shop, but it's good to know that they have the products that I need. And you could follow up with the message afterwards and says, hey, would you like to get our top, top 10 you know, strategies on how to gain muscle? Feel free to you know, give us your email address. And... Here's a coupon that you can use anytime, whenever you're ready. Brands that are doing that are getting conversion rates on average 12 to 15%, which is much higher than two or 3%. Yes, yes, I can imagine. It's, it's a much more connected sequence of events, isn't it? And it's the kind of thing that um, really, I would imagine, helps people stay on the site, but also you're, you're establishing almost like establishing rapport and trust in the digital in a digital way you know if we can talk about it that way because i'm i guess i always apply processes these digital processes to the to the psychology of human nature and what we do when we meet someone is we take those small like like to your point micro engagements we take those small steps and and establishing trust is about uh giving and receiving and it's also about being consistent yeah yeah. So, you know, if I, if you and I met, for example, and I, in the first, you know, 10 or 30 seconds of meeting, I perhaps asked you a question, 
but then didn't wait for the answer and then started talking to you about five different topics, you would actually, you know, run for the hills. <laughs> yeah. I think you'd go to the snow earlier. So yeah. it's that level of consistency. It's, it, it's, it's almost like a no-brainer, I know, but when we think about it, why do we trust someone? It's a level of predictability and consistency. Yep. And, uh, and, and what you're doing is in some ways explaining that from how do, how do we do that in a digital sense? So well, yeah. that's how I'm understanding that. Absolutely. I mean, if you go to a meetup, right, you're not going to meet your best friend when you go the first time. You're not going to, you know, you're not going to find your bestie. You got to go to a meetup or an event three times minimum, you know, talk yeah. to five people. The second time you yeah. go, talk to the same five people, maybe three new ones. And then the third time you go, this is when you know that, hey, I probably, you know, have some connections here with a certain people. That's yes. when you go and you, you know, maybe ask for the phone number or their Instagram. And that's when you make the connection. You don't do it on the first time. Um, but the great thing about this approach, like you said, is that you have these, you know, you're building trust and rapport. And once you know what they're interested in and you know that you can provide value, then on the next time around and the second communication, because you have your email address, you can deliver the content that they're really interested in. So you can say, hey, John Doe, you know, pleasure to see you again. By the way, here's the top 10 strategies on how to gain muscle that you were interested in and uh, hope you enjoy them. Right. And then a couple of days later, you send them another piece of content that's around gain muscle, you, you know, and so you're building that consistency, establishing that rapport. They're getting to know you, getting to know the brand. And you're not trying to be like a cheap car salesman and pull something like in the very beginning. You know, that's just it's just, yeah, those tactics, they, they've worked in the past. But I think nowadays people are very reluctant to just give that information without really knowing the brand or trusting the brand. Uh, this is quite an Australian-centric um, bit of news, but recently we've had some major data breaches from really uh, high-level um, institutions that have pretty much most of Australians' data. So I'm talking about, for example, the major telecommunication provider, the major healthcare provider in this country, data breaches. And so, and this is millions of people in the country, um, but it, because Australia, we've got a smaller population, it's, mm -hmm. you, it's almost like 50% of the population. Wow. And so, so that, that I think also starts to make us a little bit wary about sharing information too. So, so yeah. that's a, another layer. Yeah. Yeah. And you don't need necessarily need the person's email address because we do this by cookie level. And so even if you don't have that information, but you know, they came back to the website, you know, a few days later, maybe even 30 days later, uh, you can have special messages or targeted messages to people who are returning, you know? Yes. Oh, yeah. by the way, here's, you know, here's the products that you were looking at, uh, if you're still interested. Um, or instead of showing your homepage, you could have a different landing page for returning. Yeah. Let's v revisit that. There was some boot camp. There was a boot camp that you talked about. Yeah. Is this the kind of um, do you, is this the kind of curriculum you cover there? Tell us a little bit about the boot camp. Yeah, I'm very excited about it because personalization is a little bit like Google Analytics. Just because you implement it, it doesn't mean you're getting the most value from it, right? Unless you know how to go in there and create the reports that you want to see and pull the information that you want to see, you're not going to get much value from it. And so if you're using a personalization tool, I recommend 
that you go to any quarter, any kind of workshop. I'm starting to do these workshops. You can go to optimonk.com bootcamp and over 60 minutes, I'm going to share with you basically a personalization checklist. Now there's more than 30 different personalization tactics you can do, but we're not going to do all of them. We're going to focus on the first three that are going to give you the best return. And so we have a series of different questions. So for example, does your business offer free shipping above a certain threshold? And if it's yes, then great. I'm going to show you how to implement, you know, a little message that appears that's going to show visitors that. Now, another question may be, do you have different domains and languages for different visitors? If yes, great. I'm going to show you how we can redirect visitors to the right country's website, right? Another question may be, um, do you want to collect uh, user interest data, like, like zero party data? And if the answer is yes, fantastic. Let me show you how to create conversational pop-ups where you can get that kind of data. So back to the, my example about the health and wellness bit brand, if you want to find out which visitors are more interested in gaining muscle or losing weight, I'm going to show you how we can create conversational yeah. pop-ups that can do that. Right. And you can tag those people and pass that information back into your CRM. And so that way, when you start messaging, messaging them through email marketing, you know which cadence or which messaging to send them. And so we go through this checklist and then uh, we, it may, you may find out, okay, there's maybe 15 different things I can do. And we score each of those things by a rice score, which is basically uh, the reach, the implementation, um, the level of effort it's going to take. And so from that score, we know, okay, here's the top three that you should focus on uh, from the very beginning. And then we show you how to do it. You know, here's step-by-step -step instructions on how you, you can do this. And so it's a really fun boot camp. I, 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 we're, we're excited about this. I think uh, a lot of people are going to realize that personalization is not something that everybody talks about, but nobody knows how to do. It's actually quite simple once you have somebody, you know, that takes your hand <laughs> and kind of leads you the way. Yeah, fantastic. I, I'm, I'm super interested in that because um, I'm in the professional services space, um, of course. Uh, however, even in that space, I can see all the applications that you're talking about because different people are going to want different types of services. And right now, for example, I have a website that just lays them all out you know regardless of what people are interested in so i love that i love i love all of this this is this is fabulous yeah. and it just helps you know it it, it feels like it's um in service of the people of our you know potential customers or clients and and you know because i always i actually love the sales space because for me it's not selling it's actually about engaging and creating connections with people and so so for, that's what it is about and um and for me, what you're what you're talking about is triggering a lot of thoughts around, you know, taking a bit more care in the way that I'm designing that for my business. Yeah, take a step back and ask yourself, if I were to go through this experience, would I enjoy it? You know, and if it's not an enjoyable experience right now, how can I make it an enjoyable experience? What can I add in here, even if it's just a little micro engagement? You know, even a little thing. I mean, here's another little example, you know, it's almost Valentine's Day. And if you're a retailer and you know you get a lot of traffic that may be new traffic that are searching for gifts, 
you can have a little message that appears that says, that asks, hi there, you know, welcome. Are you shopping for yourself or for someone else? And if they choose someone yes. else, then you can say, fantastic. Here are our most popular giftable <sighs> items this season. Yes, yes. You, you, I mean, that would make it so easy for somebody who doesn't really know you, but they're just looking to buy a gift for somebody else, right? And so, you know, even something as small as that works wonders. That's wonderful, Eric. Um, anything, where can people reach you, Eric? Where's the best place they can reach you? Uh, me personally, I'm on LinkedIn, Eric okay. Melcher. And um, they can also go to optimunk.camp.com forward slash bootcamp if they want to see yes. the personalization bootcamp and sign up there. Fantastic. All right. Thank you. Yeah. I might just be going to that website after this chat. So thank you, Eric. Thank uh, you. Look, it's been wonderful to speak to you. Lovely to make um, a connection as well. And um, I think that there are probably some other things we could deep dive on as well. This is I feel like this is a bit of an intro one on one on personalization. So perhaps we can get you back to talk about some of those things as we go down. Um, well, thank you. Uh, throughout the